Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Valerie and Val, thank you so much for being here. And I'm super excited to talk to you both. Happy October. What do you think? Happy October. It's my mom's birthday. Oh my gosh. Happy birthday to your mom. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I remember seeing an online performance of Synergy and and there was someone in the background that kind of helped you out in a scene, Valerie. Was that your mom? Yes, that was my mom. I remember that. Can you tell us a little bit about that scenario? (laughs) Yeah, that was an interesting day. That was in the summer of 2020. I was in Tahoe with my parents. Actually, that day... I, we were on a bike ride and my bike brakes failed. It was just a really old crummy bike. We were going down a little hill and I like flipped over the handlebars. It was also just like a road that was really rocky. And I just fell right on my face on the road and was all banged up and really hurt. So that was like a weird day. I think that's the only reason I would be able to remember that day. I was really like off and I knew I had an improv show. That evening, it was already different trying to do it from Tahoe. I think I might have had a little bit of a concussion that, that day, but I, I managed to do the improv show all right. And it was, a, it was a really fun show. But then my mom was in the background. They were just sort of waiting off on the side, my mom and my dad. I think at some point, my mom was just kind of paying attention to the show and thought we had said like, oh, we're calling the police because I was a criminal or something in the show. And my mom stepped in as the police officer. She just, she had the hit. <laughs> I remember that. And I was watching, and I was like, this is surreal. If I remember right, the character that you were playing had hit their head. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, it was sort of one of those situations where reality enters into the scene. What, a, what an interesting and weird experience that was to watch that scene. But it was great though. And That does bring me to something that I wanted to talk to you about, Valerie, and that is from what I remember, it wasn't long before everything shut down with COVID that you were first introduced or joining Synergy Theater. Well, the process of me joining Synergy Theater was uh, I had been taking improv classes with um, another member of the company, uh, Arastu, was my improv teacher at another school. I also took classes with Val's son, Griffin. Arastu had sort of mentioned to me that he thought I would be a good fit to audition for Synergy. And that had been, gosh, mid-2019. And I just kind of needed some a little bit of time to build up my confidence and do a couple shows with Berkeley Improv, the student group. Eventually, after one of the show runs finished, I think it was Miss Marple, show that Synergy did in 2019, I was brought into audition. So I think I joined the group January or February <laughs> of 2020. We were rehearsing for Shakespeare show. It was going great. The rehearsals were wonderful. I was, I was having a good time, although I was really nervous and I don't know how well I was doing in those rehearsals, but getting all ready for the show and about 
two weeks before we were supposed to get on stage and perform the show, COVID really became a big concern. And it was so sudden, like we had one week of rehearsal where everybody kind of sat in a circle and we're like, what about this whole COVID thing? This is a little weird, a little scary. We'll keep our eye on it. And then the next week it was like, well, everything shut down. <laughs> we can't do this anymore. So that was kind of a wild experience. And then we transitioned to doing the online shows. And I'm so, so happy that you did. I was a big fan throughout all of those shows and you were featured in many of them. Do you recall the moment when Ken, I'm assuming it was Ken, approached you and the group and said, all right, guys, we're going to do this. Do you remember that moment? Yeah. What happened is we were just wanting to maintain some like rehearsal, some sort of point of contact during COVID. So a few weeks after the shutdown, I think Ken said, well, let's start doing these weekly meetups where we do an hour of improv together on Zoom. At first, it almost maybe even just started out like a therapy session, like a group therapy, just catching up as friends. But we realized that, well, we can actually play some games in here and work on some improv skills. Ken started doing this idea of the epistolary novel. I think I'm saying that right. I hope I am. And that's where characters are writing letters to each other. And as we were practicing it in that format, we realized this really could actually work as a show. I really enjoyed that format. I thought it was so clever and what very well done. And I remember the costumes that you wore and then also Eileen and Lynn and Nikki and really the whole cast. It was very well done. Very engaging. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was fun. That was really scary. It's funny because we did so many online shows over the year or so that that we weren't doing in person. That first show was My Dearest Love. And it was also my first time actually performing with Synergy Theater. And it was it was just really scary and nerve wracking. We didn't know if it's working is what we're trying to do working in this online format. And then it, it did work. But then as time went on and we did more shows, I got so much more comfortable. I remember thinking, wow, she just, it's like, she's always been there. <laughs> she, she fits right in. Val, do you remember watching Valerie online in My Dearest Love? I do. I do remember. And actually, I remember Valerie when I saw her live performing in Berkeley the first time. It was a Brastu show and you guys were doing a Western or something. And when Griffin told me later that you'd be joining Synergy, I was pleasantly surprised. It's always great to have more women doing it. And then seeing you on My Dearest Love. And now that explains it when you're saying that you were so nervous because you had that nervous energy. Like, okay, is that really how she is? Or is she just, whether you're playing a handmaiden or something, you just had that very tense, nervous energy. <laughs> uh -huh. Actually, it worked really well for the scenes. Yeah, I think also a big part of that was in that show, uh, getting, again, the part of the nerves is getting used to looking at yourself the whole mm. time that you're performing a show because normally with improv on stage, so much of improv is just giving up the idea of looking good, right? You're always trying to make everybody else look good and you're not really concerned about how do I look right now? And you can really let loose and be kind of goofy. But when you have to look at your own face the whole time, <laughs> it's really, it really makes you nervous and self-conscious. It's unnerving. I agree. 
I remember all the cast members just getting used to the new format and it was so different and strange, but it only took a couple times. And then it seemed like you and just like many other people accepted it. Okay. This is what we're doing and let's make the most of it. And I have to say that before the pandemic, one of my favorite scary type of movie that I would watch in October is the pandemic movie. And it's not anymore at all. (laughs) Yeah. No, thank you. So fast forward. What was that moment like when you stepped forward with the group Synergy Theater into the Lesher and knowing that you were going back to be on stage again? Well, it was really my first time on the real stage. I was very nervous. I could like barely eat the whole week leading up to it. I hadn't been on a real stage since high school theater. I had just been performing more like in a classroom setting. So I was nervous about what's it going to be like when the lights are on me and I see all those people out there or really what's nerve wracking about being on stage isn't seeing the people. It's really that you can't see the people very well. You can just sort of see these forms, these outlines of people. You don't know if they're smiling or who they are, what their faces are expressing during the show very well, other unless they laugh. So I was nervous about that when I arrived on the stage. It was just so thrilling and exciting. And I knew I was going to be so nervous. I could feel the energy backstage was everybody was really excited and and nervous again to be back on stage for the first time in a year. I told myself that first show, I'm not going to let myself be nervous out there. I think the best decision I made and the best way I could have started out, it was a Shakespeare show we were doing. I just decided I'm I'm just going to walk out in that first scene. I'm just going to put myself out there rather than wait on the sidelines and get too scared or too nervous or think too much. So I stepped out that first Thursday performance, started talking, and immediately I wasn't nervous anymore once I got that first performance out of the way. And that was a really fun show. It was a great performance, that, that very first one. Once I got that out of the way, I just was so much less nervous then. And it was just, I'm excited to go out and play with my friends on stage. I really enjoy your stage presence. You communicate confidence, creativity, and you also have a spark about you, um, unpredictability. And I really enjoy it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. (laughs) I don't really ever know what I exude when I'm up on stage. I really appreciate your comment. Thank you. I remember seeing you in one of the Shakespeare shows and the show ended up centering around you and your pursuit of power and Griffin played your brother and the seriousness with which you delivered everything. It was transporting and it was very much like watching a scripted Shakespearean performance. It was wonderful. Val, do you remember that one? What resonates with me is Valerie's character is almost always the straight man or the serious person, which I think is wonderful because it plays off really well that you can be funny, but you actually, it seems unintentional also that you're, you look deadpan serious when you're delivering your lines. And yet (laughs) you will say like the most outrageous things without changing your expression, which is pretty amazing to me. I don't know how you do that. I heard that you're, you're an accountant. (laughs) 
Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I sometimes I think of that like, wow, she's so serious. And then I think flash actress, flash accountant. Yeah, your your stage persona is really unique. Thank you. In in high school, I did theater, and I was always cast as the sort of sidekick, goofy comedic relief character. And I I was never the kind of leading role. And lately, I've been changing that up. I think it's scary to go out and not be the funny one and not the person who gets laughs or is is goofy because I think those are the people that are the most fun to watch from the audience perspective. Can I just pause you right there and say that my absolute favorite character of yours, hands down, was in Griffin's online show, the one you guys did in black and white, the one that was modeled after an Indiana Jones type show. Oh, and, and you played the sidekick character, but you stole every scene you were in. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Sarah. I agree. <laughs> I agree. That was that was a fun challenge. That one to play that that goofy character, Daisy. Definitely throwing in like a little accent can help me be a little more goofy. I think it was like a New York accent that helped me find the character. <laughs> Daisy was perfect. So 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 watchable. Oh, thank you. Well, going now into the. Hitchcock series of shows, I understand that there's not going to be as much goofiness than maybe previous performances. Can you speak to that? As an audience member, I really enjoy it when you guys get goofy and improv or improvised theater kind of lends itself to goofiness. But Val and I spoke with Griffin and also Orastu and both said that the humor will be there, but they are going to make it as, as chilling spooky and suspenseful as possible. So can you speak to how, or maybe if this has been discussed in the group, how to have the humor, but not so much of the goofiness in the Hitchcock run? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I necessarily agree that it won't be goofy. I think goofiness happens on stage. I find with all of our shows that we do, the, re- the rehearsals can get very serious and dark. We don't have the audience energy there. So some of the, I mean, especially when we were doing Charles Dickens, the rehearsals for that were very dramatic. There wasn't much goofiness or levity in those rehearsals. But then when the performances came, just naturally with the audience suggestions and the energy and the proclivity to get goofy on stage, it turned out pretty goofy and funny. With Hitchcock, I don't think that we're aiming to not have goofiness or not have humor. In fact, I think it will lend itself to humor very well. But I do think we are focusing more, yes, on fostering, cultivating that the kind of scary factor, the heightened silences and moments like that in Hitchcock. I really like the dynamic when Synergy Theater as a group takes more of like the serious type role. And then that energy mixes or comes up against the silly goofiness of the audience, that energy. Mm -hmm. And I, I enjoy seeing how the group, the performance group, Synergy Theater members, they're there. They're there to do a excellent job. And the audience is there to sit and be entertained. And they are they're relaxed, the audience. They're having a great time. So they throw out suggestions that may be off the wall. And 
I love that interplay of energies. And then the story comes from that. Would you agree? Absolutely. I think people wonder how much if it is truly improvised. Obviously, it's it's totally improvised. And we don't know when we're going out, when we start, if the show is going to be a comedy or a drama, really. every Again, every show has its moments of comedy and every show has its moments of drama. But what I think people don't appreciate is that truly the energy of the show completely depends on the energy of the audience. So when, Sarah, when you were mentioning that a Shakespeare show where I played that lead character and it was a real drama, it was like, murderous drama that energy was just what we were getting from the audience not that they were murderous but it's like they wanted the seriousness it's hard to to describe but when you're on stage you really understand out there the energy that that the audience is giving and that just totally determines the energy of the show so if the if the audience comes in wanting the suspense they're enjoying the suspense then the show will be suspenseful. And if they are goofy and throwing out crazy suggestions and they're laughing a lot, it's going to be a goofy show. And if they're quiet and kind of solemn, then it, it probably will be a drama. Even if the audience isn't throwing out a ton of suggestions during the show, just how they react will change it entirely. I love that. And Val, I think you could probably speak to that as well because you've been in so many of their audiences during their performances, what would you say? Yes, that's true. And I get there early to set up and I, I usually catch part of the warm up, which is always fun. Love seeing that. Looking forward to hopefully attending your dress rehearsal for Hitchcock. But I do gauge how the audience is in being Lesher Center in Walnut Creek. And there there is a bit of a geriatric crowd <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and they're wonderful. They're so awesome. You know, it was so great being people of all ages and even well-mature people coming to the space show, which was yes. very cool. I love it. And I try to chat with them ahead of time. And then they see me with a camcorder, <laughs> which I stand out because I'm the only one doing that. You're not allowed to film or take photos during the show, but obviously I am. And they come up to me and just, you know, they're just curious, like, who are you? Do you work for Lesher or? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm, I'm just that, that kid's mom. But many, many, many times they'll just proclaim how shocked they are that it's not pre-rehearsed, that it's not scripted. And then I don't know if you notice this, Valerie, but after intermission, do you notice the energy changing? A little bit. I mean, what are you what are you referring to mostly, Val? I think there's a bit of before and after where most of the audience, maybe I'd say more than half usually have been there before, but they obviously haven't been to as many shows as I have. And they're still like not sure if you guys are really improvising all of it because you're so good. <laughs> <laughs> you're so good at what you do. And then there's the intermission and they chat about it amongst themselves. I don't know if you hear us at all, but they're totally talking about you during intermission. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, wow, are they really going to do that? Or, you know, it's usually you try to leave it at a cliffhanger. And then I just, to me, sitting in the audience, it does feel a little bit different after, after intermission. Yeah, that's interesting. During the intermission backstage, we are just going around in a circle and repeating our characters' names to each other. <laughs> That's sort of what we do just to make sure. Sometimes it will be like, okay, well, I started out and my name is Laura. 
But then somebody called me Lana. So let's just set it firmly. It's going to be Laura. And that's really the extent of the planning. It's, it's not planning that we ever do backstage. So we're not really able to hear what's happening out during the intermission. But yeah, that's funny to, to hear people actually care and are, are interested in what's going to happen in the story. I would say that the anticipation is doubled after intermission because Ken is very good and you all are very good at leaving for intermission at a high point and on a cliffhanger, like Val said, and the performances that I've been to, I come back, I sit down and I'm really, really looking forward to where the story is going to go from where it was left off and the energy with which it was left, whether that be serious or goofy or, or heartfelt is doubled, I think in going back in. Uh Uh, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have another question that I've been wondering about, about characters specifically in Hitchcock films, the women that were in lead roles in Hitchcock films were very much cast and framed (laughs) in their time, which Psycho came out in 1960. And yes, and I'm wondering, has this been brought up in rehearsals with Synergy? Or I guess my question is, how will you tip your hat to Hitchcock and the suspense and what kind of storyteller Hitchcock is? And then also encourage the female cast members of Synergy Theater to truly play lead roles? Well, I guess in terms of Hitchcock movies and the females as a lead role, Psycho is an example of really a lead female role, I think. That's a that's a pretty good meaty female role. We've done so many kind of historical themed shows in times where misogyny was a lot stronger. We've talked about it with Hitchcock. And I think my goal in these shows is always to sort of say, we want to create a Hitchcock movie, if Hitchcock could become alive again right now (laughs) and make a movie with today's sensibilities and understanding. So I don't want to play in too much to that misogyny because it just, it doesn't please me to play into that misogynist role so we get a really accurate Hitchcock portrayal. Or let's make the misogynist jokes because it's funny because we're making fun that this time was misogynist. I don't love that either as a point of humor. I think it can be way overdone and it gets tired fast. So my goal is if Hitchcock were alive today and he's gone through the Me Too movement and he's gone through the 60 years of women's rights developments, how would he write a female character? The Hitchcock females tend to be always young and blonde, younger than any of us who are in Synergy Theater are, and blonder than any of us who are in Synergy Theater are. None of us are 25-year-old platinum blondes. (laughs) In my head, I think the real mimicking of a Hitchcock character comes down to the way you speak and the way you hold yourself. Even though I don't really look like Grace Kelly, (laughs) I can imagine her while I'm speaking. And it will help bring that energy of that character a little bit. I do admire Grace Kelly. I think in whatever role she was in, she always had this air of confidence about her. 
And that's one of the reasons why I really do like her. What do you think, Val? I agree. Also, she had just a presence just looking at her. Not only was she stunning to look at, but I think there's something to be said when an actor or actress doesn't have to overcompensate with facial expressions or gestures. And I have to admit, Valerie, you have quite the stare. I don't know where you get it from, but I remember scenes where you can emanate this heat (laughs) and you're not a large person either, but you come across larger than life, which actually when you were talking, I was thinking about the lighting where your space show actually, I forget his name, (laughs) but he was actually doing more with lighting than anyone had done before. On oh, yeah. The the lighting technical director. Right. Of, yeah. Oh, my gosh. She was incredible. During it, was, performance. it really made a huge difference showing that laser beam lighting. And then Hitchcock does a lot of point of view directing. So I was just thinking, is he going to spotlight the main character and put the rest of you in shadows? I'm just really curious. I hope we get that same lighting director back there because, I mean, I mean, honestly, we should have given him pump billing in the show. He was doing so much. I mean, it was like he was one of us completely improvising all of the lighting at every step. I was so impressed by that. If he could put that same energy into the Hitchcock show with dramatic lighting and spotlight, that would just be brilliant, especially the like a dark spotlight. Uh, everything is very dark and just the spotlight on the main character really up that sense of urgency. Suspense, so for sure. Suspense. So yeah. Yeah. We want to see everything. And then when we get blinders put on and we have no choice, it makes me feel suspenseful. I think that the relative smallness of the Vukasan Theater, where Synergy Theater performs, it's very cozy in there. And the lighting is even more impactful in that smaller space. There's something about being corralled, and then the lighting is just even more noticeable. And yes, the lighting in the Improvisers in Space show was incredible. Yeah, especially with the Hitchcock show. In in Hitchcock movies, there are often scenes where characters driving or it's sort of focused on the personal point of view of a character. I think it could really kind of highlight that part, that element of the Hitchcock show. Those long drawn out scenes where a character is driving and you just kind of see the single view of their face and then they look up into the rear view mirror and lighting could really help in that part of the show. I do remember one of the most memorable scenes in Psycho is Janet Lee's character, Marion, as she's driving. And I think it might actually be in the beginning part of the film. And she keeps looking in the rear view mirror. And it's so representative of what situation that she's in. She is driving towards something that she wants, but she cannot stop looking over her shoulder because she knows she's going to get caught or pay a price or something. And it's so subtle, but it's also very impactful. Valerie, would you say that Psycho is one of your favorite Hitchcock films? Yeah, I I do really enjoy Psycho. I haven't watched too many Hitchcock films. I've probably seen five or six. And of the ones that I've seen, my favorite has always been Rear Window. And <laughs> to be honest, I, I haven't rewatched it while working on the show yet because I'm saving it or closer to the actual performance, just because I love that movie so much. But Psycho is definitely up there for me. 
another thing we've been talking about with Synergy Theater and the and the characters in Hitchcock, there's a big focus on the Hitchcock blonde as a character type, but we don't hear talked about as often that Hitchcock leading man role, that sort of confident, cocky man who's handsome. And that's absolutely indicative of a, of a Hitchcock movie too. To be honest, I think we've been struggling more with that role than we have with the female characters. Oh, interesting. I do like that character. It's the character that is the type that gets away with everything. And it's so annoying, but you can't help but like them. And you yeah. you actually are pulling for them. And you do want to see them get away with it. Yeah, because in the end, they, they tend to be a good guy, usually. They're not that bad person. It's usually that person who's wrongfully accused. One of my favorite mental exercises is to think of a classic film. So like, for example, Psycho and switch all of the roles from women to men and from men to women. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> that would be so great. And then I think we should do it. One of those, one of our shows, really. <laughs> and then to like follow it through from scene to scene, how it, would it work? How would it work better? How it would be so different? How certain things wouldn't work maybe for the story? How it changes the suspense of a scene? Yeah, I like that. I think we should do it. I'd love to see Griffin as a Hitchcock blonde. Me too. I mean, he's been yeah. blonde, right? Yeah, exactly. Remember, he got his hair, each hair again and played the young, handsome man, the sex appeal. <laughs> I, I do look forward to, to seeing what Griffin has done with his hair lately. I, I have to admit that. I, I'm kind of jealous of his hair. I'll, I'll just say that right now. Oh, me too. Me hi, too. Hi, 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 Griffin, if you're listening. Yeah, <laughs> you have great hair. I don't know how he got such good hair because my hair is not like that. It looks windswept and like he uses yeah. Fabergé or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Valerie, I could definitely see you in the lead role, which was Jimmy Stewart's role in Rear Window. Just because I'm curious. Let's wave a magic wand and say that this movie remake of Rear Window is happening and you're cast in the lead role. Who would you want in the role of Grace Kelly? Oh gosh. Are you speaking in the synergy world or in the actor world? You could you could do either or both. Griffin would be great. I think he would be a great Grace Kelly role. I think it'll be fun to see Ben in that role. <laughs> ben too. Yeah. Ben who's so tall and bearded. It would be fun to have him uh, that character. And Ben's funny. I'd like to see that cast. Well, Valerie, what do you hope the audience gets? from the Hitchcock series of shows. What do you hope that they go home with? I hope that they can really enjoy the suspense of it. On a micro level, each show, we sort of have a, a moral or a message that we put across and we find it during the show. You hope everyone goes home thinking about that and like, wow, that was a really good play about love or about marriage or brotherhood that kind of thing on the micro level. But on the macro level with this show, this is a very different type of improv. And I hope people can really enjoy that moment of it where it's suspenseful for them and for us, because there are moments in the show where we're going in just as unknown as the rest of the audiences. I think that's my big takeaway. I hope they have fun with it. And what do you hope that you gain by the end of the show's run? Wow, that's a good question. My hope with every show is that I continue to learn and to be a better performer. 
and I, I really, every hope is just to, to go out there and have fun. That's really all we can hope for is that we can go out there and have the most fun that we can, because when we're having fun as a group with the rest of our performers, that's when we put on the best shows. It really all comes down to just trusting each other and looking at your fellow improvisers and feeling that trust and friendship. I hope that I allow myself to have the most fun that I possibly can during this run of shows. I love to see the trust on display on the stage between cast members, really enhancing the storytelling. How do you think that trust has grown in the group since you joined it? I think we really had to learn how to trust each other online. So much of the trust on an improv is the ability to look at a fellow improviser's eyes, to look each other in the eyes and have that moment and sort of talking without talking. We had to really learn how to do that on Zoom online. That was a challenge, but it got us closer to each other. You know, then by the time we got back to doing in person, it just felt like we all knew each other so well. And then in the, the year since we've been back to in person, we just, we really trust each other so well. I think we've just worked hard to get to a, a point of knowing that each one of us is looking out for the rest. I love these moments that we'll have in the show. I think it's, I think it's really natural when you're sitting on, in the chair on the side as you're watching the show unfold to sort of script a little bit in your head. Okay, I'll, I think maybe I'll go into the scene and maybe I'll try to talk about this or I'll, I'll say this. And then you can think about what might happen in a scene if you go out there. And really what we've been able to develop in these past many months has been to not do that and to just go out there. Even if you have an idea of what might happen in a scene, those moments of looking each other in the eyes and discovering the scene in real time, those are the best moments. We've gotten that so well in these past several months. Just go out knowing you don't know what you're going to say. Look at each other in the eyes, have a little eye smile <laughs> and realize, let's just dive in. Let's just have fun. I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say. And those moments as an audience participant are magical because without communicating it to the audience, the audience knows the premise. This is all improvised. It's amazing. It's like watching, <laughs> it's like, it's like watching a wave crest and curl and crash onto the beach. Every wave is different. You can't predict the shape, but you know, it's coming and you know, it's going to be great. It's kind of like that. And as an audience member, you might even be like the surfer on the wave and you're there for the ride and the ride never disappoints. That's the way it is for me, at least. Val, what do you think? Oh, yes, definitely. And I have to admit that I'm most thrilled when you can take Ken by surprise He's the master of improv. He's done it a million times. And yet every show, at least one time, every one of you will say something and I'll see him react. And it's just the best. It is so good when you catch him off guard and he can't help it. He'll laugh. He'll gasp. He'll, you'll do something that will just shock him off his chair. And again, I, I've said it before, but I love that shock moment. And I have to mention real quick, one of my favorites of your online shows was Cabin Pressure. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I thought it was so funny when uh, you were like his co-pilot spouse or ex-spouse. <laughs> it was just so funny when you just said, well, you know, make sure you push the right button, you know, <laughs> just his, his facial expression, like, wow. <laughs> yeah. This little moments really mean a lot to me. I, to me, those are the big ones. I totally know what you're talking about that moment. <laughs> I've just surprised Ken. Ken did whatever I just said or did or mm -hmm. offered. He did not see that coming. And that's such a great pure moment <laughs> because when you do these shows so often, when you do this improv so much, there are certain ways the show can go that is just so predictable. We can get into those kind of repetitive type of shows. Yeah. Just finding those moments of, of true shock. That's, those are the best moments of improv to me. That's why, that's like why I do it. It's like riding the wave and I would, yes. I, I love it so much. Valerie, is there anything that you would like us to make sure that we discuss, or maybe there's something other that you're doing that you would like us to promote? No, I'm not. I'm not performing in anything else to promote. Just, I hope everybody comes out to the Hitchcock show. What I will mention is that this is just my favorite show so far. I was so not expecting this to be so much fun. I, I hope everybody comes because I think this is going to be the best show that we've done. Well, that's a bold statement because <laughs> they've been so good. Val, what do you think? It will be the best. I'm predicting October Hitchcock. People are going to want this and it's synergy. So I can't wait. I am so excited. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.